Hey y'all, welcome back to Queerly a Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Jackie. Uh, The other host, Liz, is currently out of the country uh, on some vacation, so wishing her well there. Um, And so I am going to solo host. Uh, Despite it being the second episode, we are going to uh, do a little bit of rambling and go off of what will be our normal format. Um, It'll be more structured, uh, but... I will give a spoiler warning. Uh, I will be talking about Stranger Things season one through four, essentially, in terms of spoilers. Um, So heads up for that. Also, just want to say, uh, in terms of this being Pride Month, first of all, happy Pride Month to everyone. Uh, Let's 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 go get this shit, man. Um, And also, um, we will be releasing hopefully a second. part to this episode just to fill the space and then also do something fun you know we're gonna have fun this is our month let's go let's go get this shit dude yeah fucking sound like a like an 18 year old surfer um okay (laughs) so the first thing to uh discuss uh going we'll we'll dive we'll dive straight into stranger things um first of all i have been watching since it first came out um and Season one, I think most people would agree, is almost perfect. It is it is lightning in a bottle, really. Um, just how the tone hits, how the writing hits, the characters, everything. The length as well. Um, I think that's something that a lot of series run into issues with, especially if they start as something that is a surprise hit, and then they get greenlit for more, and typically that leads to more episodes, even if the writing benefited from the more strict episode um, schedule and uh, number. Um, And so season two and three, I enjoyed two personally. I know that's not really always the the, um, consensus, but I did. I enjoyed it. I liked a lot of the acting. Um, Noah Schnapp, I believe his name is Schnapp. he did a really good job as well. Um, his his acting was phenomenal during that season. Um, season three, I am not the biggest fan of. Aesthetically, it is definitely very different than the others. Um, it takes more really from uh, 80s... Well, I mean, every every season is 80s nostalgia, but I think in that case, it, it's kind of the, the rose-tinted glasses. Um, that it takes from more than anything else. Um, a lot of the more saturated colors, the emphasis on the, uh, bl- like the, the, not exactly deep blues, but fluorescent blues, um, fluorescent blues and purples and reds during that season, as well as just kind of lighter storyline in general. Yeah, there are bits, the bits with Billy, I think are really good. Um, I personally like the types of stories where it ends up kind of reflecting and making um, use of a character's mental state or history. Um, in this case with Billy, his troubled relationship and abusive relationship with his father, as well as his rela- relationship with Max, um, who I think both Sadie Sink and um, who plays Max, and I always forget his name, the one who plays Billy. He is, I know he's Australian, (laughs) Um, but he's a very good actor as well. They both work off each other very well. Um, I know this isn't LGBT related, T plus related, but you'll you'll see where I'm going with this. I'll get there eventually. 
Um, I also just really like the newer season. Um, so yeah, the, the season three. The Russian storyline also I'm not a huge fan of. I enjoy the bits where Erica, Robin, Steven, Dustin are uh, kind of doing like kid like like a little kid with the spy cameras the IR spy cameras that let them know someone comes through the door uh type thing um but also I enjoy Alexi of course everyone does um but the rest of it's kind of weak in that sense um and yeah so that's really season three now going into season four if you haven't watched the first seven episodes I believe are the ones that are out definitely go watch that before this um Again, like I said, Hawkins, uh, the Hawkins storyline is the one that really keeps me watching. Um, I really enjoy where they've been going with the use of Vecna um, to kind of depict things like depression and suicide. Um, I won't really go into that too much without a trigger warning, so... Um, Here's the trigger warning in case, and content warning in case anyone needs to back out. Um, I'll also have one in the description of the episode just to make sure. Um, but the way that they depicted um, first Chrissy, it's while it may not be depression uh, for in her case, definitely it is troubled mental health due to uh, some some degree of self hatred from what I can interpret from. Um, from how Vecna, Vecna's powers are described. Because you see her, um, her day terrors, I suppose, um, uh, involving her mother uh, and calling her a fat pig, essentially. Um, I think those are the exact words. Um, and so I think that her not saying anything back and instead kind of shutting down is supposed to be uh, emblematic of it. Those were those types of words and behavior rooting in her, and then causing self doubt and seeding like things like self loathing or blaming yourself for what is happening externally to you. Um, and with uh, Fred Benson, who first of all, that's the same name as the character from iCarly. Just. I don't, I, I, I have to believe that's a, uh, coincidence, but, um, that's Fred Benson, Freddie Benson, oh my goodness, um, him, I wasn't as, I wasn't quite as sure what they, I mean, obviously he does blame himself for the car crash and everything, um, but it was a little, it was a little less, um, I guess it was more straightforward in a way, um, not to say that it was a bad bit, I think it was really good, um, and I enjoyed that whole arc and everything, that episode. I think that was episode three. Um, but it was, it was definitely clear how he blamed himself and how that led to Vecna and the curse and everything. Um, but then once they got to episode four with Max and the depression, so we see through the season, um, uh, Max, A, distancing herself from all of her friends, B, uh, waking up uh, from uh, nightmares, constantly having headaches, needing Advil, things like, or Tylenol, um, as well as just kind of putting up walls more often. Um, and then with Vecna, what we see is th there, are, there are very clear um, signifiers of what they're going for here. There's writing, uh, basically 
uh, suicide notes, essentially, for if she had died um, because of Vecna to all of her family and friends and not wanting them to read it beforehand. Um, there's also kind of that, um, the, the, the frustrated and also hopeless, uh, acceptance of death as the final step that's going to happen. Um, that is until obviously they start playing Run Up the Hill, which A, I can't stop listening to now because it's a really good song. Um, but B also is, it's, it kind of is uplifting in a way the way that they depict max um being being shown that she has things to fight for well of course this isn't this for people with clinical uh like depression that's based on chemical um imbalances which i've i've had both um the chemical imbalance issue and just emotional issue kind of separate separately um but for people where it is due to external trauma rather than chemical imbalance, knowing that there are people out there who, despite whatever you believe, um, are there for you. They want you to be with them. They want you to be here, and they're willing to fight for you just in order for you to fight for yourself is extremely uplifting, and I think that was extremely well done. Um, and I think it also definitely highlights how strong the Hawkins story arc is compared to the California and, um, and Russia story arcs are. As much as I love, like, Joyce and Murray's, uh, um, dynamic and everything, uh, but yeah, so into the, into the, um, more, okay, I was gonna say into the more LGBT plus, Q plus stuff, but first I want to say the way that they're filming everything, the uh, musical score, the sound effects, the Foley artist, um, the color grading, everything, it definitely is much more cinematic as well as coming back to season one's tone. Um, it's a little bit more somber. Um, there's less saturation. Uh, and I think that it's striking a much better tone a, for how old everyone is now, um, which the age gap, it's, yeah, it's noticeable, but, you know, COVID kind of ruined everything, so it's, that's not really a big deal in my mind. Um, but also for them to be able to explore more mature storylines, like uh, Max and Vecna, and then the others with Vecna. Um, so just that real quick. Also love when they implement part of the um, environmental sound into soundtracks. So like with Vecna's clock, them implementing that into a specific uh, motif. It's pretty damn cool. Uh, okay, LGBTQ plus stuff. Um, so first I want to address Robin, um, who if you've watched the show, you know she is a lesbian. She came out during season three uh, to Steve. Um, I think he's, yeah, he's the only one that actually knows. Um, and I really, really love the way they handled it. So throughout that season, um, the two of them had been working together. They have this really fun dynamic. Um, she's kind of snarky. He's, you know, the lovable goofball kind of babysitter. <laughs> um, and throughout it, Dustin is basically egging, uh, Steve on about how he's looking at all these other girls trying to get dates, whatever. And there's the perfect girl next to him and it's Robin and he should just ask her out. And Steve who has come a long way since season one, now very, like, respectful dude, 
Um, he doesn't real he doesn't really act on it. He knows that Robin's not acting on it. He doesn't want to be the one to in, to initiate, I suppose. And also, they have a very um, <laughs> a very charming, very enjoyable uh, platonic like intimacy in their relationship. Um, they have great back and forths, um, almost kind of brother and sistery uh, relationship. And so after some Russian shenanigans and drugs, um, they end up in a bathroom, throw up, all that good stuff, and they're talking. And the way that they uh, introduce uh, the conversation that leads to Robin coming out is essentially that um, Robin had been in the same class as Steve at one point, and while they set it up to seem almost like she um, has a crush on Steve, they then have her say that she was so jealous of him because of the attention he got from a crush of hers, um, which I think is, a, is, first of all, like a clever way of doing it. Um, I, I'm saying A and B too much. Um, <laughs> um, but then they have it where Steve doesn't fully get the hint um, until a few beats later and a little bit of like encouragement from Robin, though she doesn't have to say much, which I think is really good. All she says is is his, his name, essentially, um, to try and get him to solve it on his own. And there's a moment where he basically goes, oh shit, and you have a slight pit in your stomach thinking that oh, this is going to be one of these stories. It's going to be where they have, they're these great friends until one of them finds out about the other's um, queerness and then they have a huge falling out until later on when one saves the other and then everything's solved or something. But instead, what happens is Steve immediately uh, negs, <laughs> negs Robin about her choice of crush and how the girl sounds like a Muppet when she sings. Which then there's a great callback to that in season four when um, I think it's Tammy Thompson shows up. But um, yeah, I think the way that they approach that, honestly, is very, very uh, smart and well done. Because um, it doesn't it doesn't make a uh, I need to stop saying a um, first of all, it doesn't make the episode about the about Robin coming out, which you see a lot of shows doing. Um, or, or whole movies even, about a character coming out, the effects of that, and how other people react and their journeys to accepting them. That's usually a part of it. And if not, it is basically talking about gay suffering or queer suffering um, and how, oh, all these people hate them. They have to cut them out of their lives. They have to uh, run away. They have to move towns, all that, all that bullshit, um, which, like, obviously that is something that can happen. But when it's the only thing that happens in media, it makes being queer into something that you are hesitant to even embrace because you only expect um, suffering, essentially, because that's all you're shown as part of that lifestyle, you know? Um, so I really, it's really refreshing to see this kind of portrayal. Um, and then in this season, season four, the way that they have... Uh, Robin and Nancy's uh, relationship setup, I also really like because it shows a lot of times you can't, people just think, oh, you have a woman who's a lesbian and there's another woman, instant, like, instantly she must be, like, lusting over her or attracted to her or something. 
but that's not the case. I mean, guys, yeah, they're horny as hell, but, like, they don't look at, you know, a random girl who they're, like, talking to or even just, you know, friends with and think, oh, I want to hit that. Like, that's not, that's not how it works, you know? It's not all just sex, <laughs> um, as much as some people would like to believe. Um, and so they have a really fun, uh, they have a really fun, uh, like, duo dynamic thing going on um, with Nancy being very knowledgeable um, and very uh, stressed out at this point because of um, Jonathan and everything. But uh, Robin kind of plays off that energy really well. Um, and they have a really cool friendship, and I like that. And I like that it's kept as a friendship, and you can kind of tell with how it's written that that's the case. Um, and so, yeah, Robin I really like. Um, I know that, I know that the fandom for Stranger Things can get, um, can get kind of a bit bonkers sometimes when it comes to pairings within the show. Now, there's some things that I, like, I, I understand, like, wanting to... Wanting to have somebody you can relate to in specific ways within media you enjoy. Like, that I totally get. Absolutely. And when it's characters like, for example, Will, who um, a lot of people had theorized was gay for a long time. And this season, it seems like him having a crush on Mike may be uh, confirmed with the whole, like, bringing the painting that he won't show anyone to when uh, Mike arrives to California, as well as... um, as well as just kind of some of the interactions. Um, but I think that it is, it is kind of disconcerting when, um, when you see a lot of over-sexualization of queer relationships, basically like um, of slash, I guess slash fiction. So inserted queer relationships of characters who are not canonically queer or in a relationship. Well, it's more of the former than the latter. But... Um, they are mostly uh, focused on the sexual aspect, which I, again, I understand wanting to explore sexuality within a context where one feels safe, and so that's often in fictional characters that they feel um, connected to. I mean, I was in my teens when Harry Potter was finishing up, you know? I definitely read Harry Potter fan fiction, and while I didn't really like the, the whole smut side, I, I understood it. Um, but I do, I do get kind of worried sometimes with how a lot of people, whether it be through fan fiction or art or even just um, posts, I guess, will, will usually only depict their headcanons, um, their queer headcanons, in a way that is purely sexual and I don't know it just rubs me the wrong way I I get I get worried that it perpetuates something that a lot of people still believe um I mean one of the major things with people who supported the don't say gay bill um there's a lot to talk about there but I won't go into it just because I need I'd need to do some more research and actual writing um to be able to make a good a good little statement about it um but I saw a lot of people who support it saying things like, oh, they're going to teach sex to our, to our third graders. Um, basically, uh, the same thing, the same argument as when, for example, Ellen came out. Ellen, I mean, I don't, I'm not a huge fan of hers, but, oh, shoot. Um, <laughs> sorry about that. Um, I'm not a huge fan of hers, but basically 
when she came out, um, that I respect, the action of doing that, I respect, but when she came out, a lot of people were saying the same type of argument of, why are they pushing all, like, this, this gay sex in my face type thing, and I, I worry the fa- about the fact that that is still a, um, view that, yeah, it may be a minority, but still a vocal and powerful minority, to be honest, um, or at least one, that powerful people like to, um, like to, uh, sell to, sell themselves to, um, use to keep them in power, things like that, um, and it, it, you can kind of see it has an effect on the individual, um, so I hope, I mean, I I don't even know really where I'm going with this, but I hope that, uh, we kind of move past this at some point, where obviously there'll always be some um, smut out there. Like, that's just that's just the way of the world. But I'm hoping that people, when they think about um, headcanons, because usually when it's a canon character or uh, relationship, um, you already have that relationship being depicted in non-sexual ways within that media. So you tend to see um, that same concept uh depicted whether it art be art fan fiction posts um with those characters but when it's headcanon um i'm hoping that we can get the same without needing to portray them in a non-sexual way uh beforehand um so yeah that is my uh i guess that's my stranger things rant um i oh no no i have a little bit more i can add (laughs) um i guess uh appreciation for how they dressed Robin, um, during this, during the season, um, very 80s lesbian with the slightly more masculine, uh, clothing, but also not really rejecting femininity, um, and speaking of femininity, the way that they, they portrayed Nancy, basically, throughout all the seasons, with her being kind of your typical teenage girl, um, with femininity, femininity, ooh, um, and all, um, and still being able to be, uh, very ambitious, uh, very driven, very smart, um, she is able to hold her own, she is confident, she isn't really a damsel in distress at any point, but she also isn't, portrayed as a purely masculine figure, despite being considered a quote-unquote badass, which you see a lot still. Even though we've gotten a bit better, um, in terms of depictions with that, um, it is still fairly common, I would say. Um, but yeah, so I, the, the depiction of Nancy is really well done in terms of showing that femininity and strength aren't mutually exclusive things. They can be one and the same in a person. Um, so that I also have to praise the, the show for, um, throughout all its seasons. Um, and yeah, and I mean, there, I, at least for that I can think of, there aren't, there haven't really been, uh, any queer baiting. I mean, there's been, like, there's always been theories about Will, uh, being gay, but I think that's more of, um, it's less of baiting and more the fact that it started when they're supposed to be, like, children. <laughs> Um, and it usually takes a while for people to figure out their sexuality and what they're into and all of that. And he's a fairly reserved character, so he's not really going to, um, he's not going to be stating things to the world like that or initiating, uh, very often. Um, 
And yeah, so honestly, I think the in terms of the LGBTQ plus stuff, at least that I fully remember. I, I had rewatched recently uh, seasons two, except for the finale. I don't know why. I just am not a huge fan of that finale. Um, and season three, and then I've been rewatching season four quite a bit. Um, but yeah, from what I remember, and on the LGBTQ plus side, um, the show is pretty good. Um, and from the, the female, uh, male gaze, slash male gaze, whatnot side, it also, I think, has done pretty, pretty well. Um, and they definitely have a leg up over Riverdale where, you know, they, they like to sexualize, uh, characters who are supposed to be much younger than their actors. Um, so that's always, you know, that's always a good thing. Maybe we'll talk about Riverdale at one point, because I know that there's a character in it, um, who ends up, she, like, there's some weird, there's some weird treatment of her coming out, and then some, like, conversion therapy, and then treatment of, like, a, a love interest, um, I also know there's, like, some weird universe stuff at the end with, like, River, River Vale, so that'll, I mean, that'll be a trip in its own, um, but... I think I think we'll leave this this ramble uh, here on its own with Stranger Things. I uh, hope you found it interesting. I really, honestly, I love like talking about the show and thinking about it. Um, so yeah, hope you enjoyed. Uh, I'm gonna post another episode. We're gonna have a different topic uh, just to fill the space and then also have some fun talking about things we like. It's Pride Month, man. We're gonna we're gonna enjoy it, even though it looks like it's gonna rain outside. We're gonna still enjoy it got my umbrella let's do it um as always you can find us on our website which is currently under uh construction at uh, www.queerlyapodcast.com uh soon we will have a contact form where you can uh add questions and things like that any comments or topics you like us to cover uh there will also be a twitter um i believe you can find also at Queerly a Podcast. Um, and then we will be posting um, every upload, uh, or a, really a notice whenever an episode goes up um, on r slash actual lesbians, so that subreddit. Uh, and then we also are on various uh, podcast platforms. You can find us most places, really, um, as well as on YouTube now. Uh, and we will see you next time.